Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are so glad you decided to worship with us this morning. And when we gather together as a church, what we're doing is is proclaiming the promise of the song that we just sang. Like we're coming here, and we're just asking God to to use us and to meet us. And even if you are not committed to Christ yet, and you're exploring what it means to follow Him. Uh, that song and that plea is still the same. And it's this idea of like, God, I, I'm coming and I, and I ask that you'll lead me uh, forward. And uh, as a church, that, that's what we continue to do. Just come back to the place where we're asking God to lead us forward, uh, to show us uh, what is it that he wants us to do. And uh, if you're new to church, uh, we have a time of singing like this. And then uh, when I come up or someone else, they, they usually come and they, they speak uh, from God's word. And the idea is, is we live in a time, uh, if you're like me, where we're inundated uh, with messages and ideas and statements and thoughts uh, from within us that may not be true, and then also uh, from external sources, whether it's the news, social media, uh, talk radio, whatever it is. And so we always need to come on a regular basis on our own. Uh, We need to meet God and ask him, how does everything that I'm hearing stack up to what is actually true? And for us, we have decided as a church, and Christians have for centuries before us, that we are going to anchor uh, to the truth of God's word. Uh, We live in a time where everything is changing and shifting. So without God's word, uh, we're we're actually left uh, like this Fontana wind, which just blows us everywhere. But that's not a way to live. We need to be anchored. We need to be uh, sure in our life. And, And that's what we do. And so every time we gather... Uh, I believe that God does something special because when his people come and say, God, will you speak to us? Will you help us? Will you meet us here? He actually does because his word says that he is here uh, in our midst. And so today uh, I'm wrapping up a series uh, called The Edge. And I don't know if you've ever been to church and like the the central image is an ax, but I think that's pretty cool. Uh, The idea is uh, there's a, a verse in Ecclesiastes that says, if you have a dull ax, uh, you have to use more strength. Uh, that is, if, if your tool is not sharp, you have to work a lot harder. But those who have wisdom have success. And so the idea is the way to sharpen the edge of your life, just like you have to sharpen the edge of an ax, uh, you need God's wisdom. And so we've been looking these last five weeks at how do we uh, figure out what this wisdom thing is. Uh, not so that we can just be filled uh, with more knowledge or more ideas. Uh, we live in a time where there's more ideas in this world than ever exists, and it's multiplying and multiplying every single day. Like, you can't keep up with the new information. So it has to be more than just learning more information. Uh, what we're doing with wisdom is, how can we actually learn what is true so that we can be actually transformed? It's not information, but it's like transformation, and that's what wisdom is. Seeing things differently. And so I hope if you've been here uh, these last few weeks, I hope that it's been an encouragement to you. If you've missed, uh, you can always catch us on our podcast on YouTube. Uh, I encourage you to do that because it really does help, again, counter some of the things that, that we face every single day, and God's Word has a way of, of doing that. And so we're wrapping up today with this uh, title of Before You Get It, and that's what we're going to be focusing on. Uh, next week, we're going to start a brand new series called The Pursuit. The last five weeks has been about the edge. What is wisdom and how can it sharpen us? The next four weeks, starting next week, will be the pursuit. That is, how do we pursue wisdom so that we can actually experience this kind of success? So I hope you'll you'll join us uh, next week. But I want to start with uh, this this personification 
of, of wisdom that you find in the scripture. If you've read a lot in the scriptures, wisdom shows up in, uh, throughout from the beginning to the end. That's God interacting, telling, telling, telling us. Talk about wisdom and you find out how little wise you are. I think those are two sentences that didn't make sense. But um, from the beginning of scripture to the end, uh, wisdom is, is crying out. It's, it's God telling us how things work. And we always have to listen. But in the wisdom literature itself, that's uh, Psalms. That's in the beginning, like the, the middle of your Bible. And Proverbs, that's the wisdom literature. Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Uh, you find that, that this is really what, what people call the wisdom literature. You want to learn about wisdom, you can focus on, on those books. Well, in uh, Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman. Now, what do you think that means? There's a lot of women that have thoughts on that. But it's very interesting. There's a personification of wisdom as, as a woman, and it's, it's kind of showing uh, how wisdom is this relationship. So I, I want to read this to you, and we'll talk about it. Does not wisdom call? Okay, this is the personification. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. To you, O men. O men there is talking about everyone. It could be like, yeah, this women, oh men, when are you going to get it? But it's actually like mankind, oh men, to you, oh men, I call. And my cry is to the children of man, everyone. Oh, simple ones, learn prudence. Prudence is, is understanding skillfully how life works. So understand, learn prudence, and oh, fools, learn sense. And so wisdom, wisdom is, is crying out. And so today I want to focus on how do we do the right things and have the right attitudes so that we can hear when wisdom calls out to us. Uh, this next verse, it's right at the end, verse 5, oh, simple ones learn prudence, oh, fools learn sense. Wisdom is crying aloud with an urgency. Listen. You need to listen. And if you do, you can actually learn a skill of how to handle life in the right way when you're faced with all sorts of unknowns. I think one of the important lessons if you put it back on that, that screen before in Proverbs 8, notice what's happening as wisdom is calling out. There's actually key things that are happening. First, uh, on the heights beside the way, there's this journey that you're on and you're walking. And the idea is you need guidance. And there's somebody that has a vantage point that's greater than yours, and it's wisdom. And she's crying out. And then at the crossroads, you ever been to crossroads at your life? Not sure which way to go, how to do it, what to do? You're at a crossroads. You're confused. You're stuck. You're like, it could go right. I could go left. Do I turn around? Do I go straight? And wisdom is saying, actually, at the crossroads, at the, the time that you're finding these great decisions that need to be made in your life, I'll speak to you if you listen, if you want to hear. And at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. In the gates in front of the town as you enter, it's like every time you're having a decision of where you should go and what you should do, wisdom is crying out. So I want to start by you just evaluating your own life and asking the question, are there things that you're facing right now and do you find yourself on the heights or not from the heights, but on the way and at the crossroads and at the gates and at the portals wondering what you should do? Is there anything in your life where you're stuck? Anyone? Yeah. I think all of us are facing these transition times, these big questions. What should we do? How should we do it? What does that matter? Why? all sorts of questions that we have. And as the pressure mounts on us, and as you're facing lots of things in your life, just like I'm facing lots of things, the stakes get higher and higher and higher. 
And wisdom is saying, I will guide you. I will hear you out. I'll listen to your concerns, and then I'll give you some thoughts. So today we're talking about how do we get to the point where we can actually hear. Our ears can become unclogged to hear wisdom when she calls out to me. Now, I don't know if you consider yourself a wise person, but the older I get, I'm 41 years old. The older I get, the more I look back on my life and I say, man, I made some really dumb decisions. Anyone relate to that? If you can't come to church and be like, man, I screwed up, you can't go anywhere. The church is full of a bunch of screw-ups. I mean, maybe not you, but everyone else, right? But let's, let's be real. We all look back And sometimes when you come to church, you feel like that's the place where you have to act like you've not screwed up. And it's the opposite. This is the place where you actually freely should admit you're screwing up because actually God can help you. You don't have to have pretense. You don't have to play games. But the older I get, the more I look back at my life and I'm like, man, I've really screwed up. And I wish that I would have done some things differently when I was younger. So I want to speak a little bit to the young people. I see some of you here and some of you scattered throughout. If you're in your teens and if you're in your 20s, aggressively pursue wisdom. It will save knocks on your head. It will help you. If you pursue wisdom and say, I need help, I need guidance, I need to know what to do, you can prevent maybe some really dangerous situations and decisions that could really wreak havoc on your life. So that's my encouragement to you. As you learn about this stuff, be aggressive. Aggressive is like get a grip around it. Try to learn it. And if you think back to your teens and it's like a distant memory, you think back to your 20s and you're like, I remember those days. It's never too late to turn to God. He is very gracious. God knows you. He knows everything that you've done. And he still loves you. And he still wants you to build your life even as you look and you see rubbles. So God is very gracious. But the thing about wisdom, and this is what we all need to learn, Lady wisdom is actually not gracious. You can either listen and learn or you don't. And there's a certain reality to wisdom, cause and effect, that we actually need to take very seriously. I think most of us live in a time, and you see this in our culture, where we don't want to have any accountability for our decisions, but we still want the fruit of wisdom. That is, In our world now, it's promoted to live foolishly, but yet expect the fruit of a wise life. You guys know what I'm saying? That is, it doesn't matter what you do. Do whatever you want. Follow your heart. Just believe. Just think good thoughts. Be positive, as long as it makes you happy. And you just make decision after decision after decision. That's foolish. And then oftentimes in life, we feel ripped off. Because why didn't I get the fruit of wisdom? Because you actually can't ignore wisdom and expect wisdom. God is gracious. Lady wisdom is not. This is very serious. And we actually live in a time, the more thought and the more talking that you see in our culture and on social media and on talk radio and on the news, the less wisdom. There's actually scripture about that. The more the words, the less the sense. And that's what we're seeing in our time. You guys, you know what I'm saying? You guys understand what I'm saying? Okay. Proverbs 8, 17 speaks about this. This is a little bit further. It says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me, cause and effect. I love those who what? Love me. 
matters what we do. Those who seek me, they'll find. But notice what you have to do in order for that uh, to happen. God has built unbreakable principles into the wisdom of life. He's real. He's made life to work in a certain way. That's why it's not subjective. We can't just choose our own reality and expect the results that we want. God is the maker. He's decided how life will work. And so it's our role as his creation to find that out. And if we find out reality according to God's standards, according to what's important to him, according to his heart, then we can find his ways and we can grow in wisdom. I want to talk specifically today about two attitudes that help us. These attitudes, in a way, set us up for wisdom to come into our life. So if I were to tell you that there was, there's a deal that you can make and you can choose two things that will help wisdom come to you. Wisdom is saying, like, would you do it? If I'm crying aloud at the crossroads, and I'm calling aloud at the heights, and I'm at the gates, and I'm at every part of your life where you're trying to figure it out, and I told you there's two attitudes that you can have in order to be able to hear me and to be guided, would you do it? Well, wait until you find out what they are. And that's what the wisdom literature is saying. That's what the Bible is saying. It's like, if you want it, I heard that baby cry out too. If you want it, here's what you need to do. So let's start. Humility is the great precursor to wisdom. Isn't that the opposite of flashy? It literally is. It's humility. Now, everything I've talked about, about how life works and how people think, how much on social media and on talk radio and on the news, and we talked about the sponge here, how we filled with all sorts of messages, how much of what you hear and how much of what you consume and how much of what you see is humility the most important thing? It's very interesting. Never, right? Why? Because if it's humility, most of the time you're not going to know about it. Right? Because every time we do something that actually is good and we want to tell everyone what we've done because it's good, which we all do, that's all in us, most of the time that's, that's not humility. But if you want wisdom to get into your life, for you to be able to hear it, for it to make sense to you, and for it to get into your heart, you can never, ever get around humility. It's the precursor. So you want to become a wise person and you're not humble? The scriptures say you actually need to become humble first. Like you can't be wise if you're not humble. That's a reality. So I'm going to jump around uh, to a, a few different scriptures today to give you like the thematic sense of how this works out so you can get a 30,000 uh, foot uh, view. Uh, Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. So notice the correlation. What does pride lead to? Disgrace. Now, if you're like me, some of, that t- some of the time you're wondering like, if that's really true. Because have you ever noticed that it seems like the really arrogant people, the more they toot their own horn, they actually seem like they get ahead. Right? I mean, let's face it. The people that seem like the best looking, the most popular, the most money, and flaunt it, they actually seem to be doing well. The thing with wisdom is that the time frame is different. Again, this is reality. It's not just a snapshot in time. This is over time. This will be true. So in the end, if you choose arrogance, and if you choose to promote yourself 
and you're the center of your universe, you'll experience disgrace. That's why it's not gracious. That is what will happen. That's a promise. But the second is a promise too. But with the humble is wisdom. Notice it's like a pairing. The pride, disgrace. But the humble, there's wisdom. They're correlated. Humility, wisdom. You have to just keep thinking that. Uh, so what that means is pride is a, is a wisdom blocker. Uh, speaking of football, uh, I want to show that image. Anyone know who that is? Any football? Cowboys? Larry Allen, considered one of the greatest offensive linemen that ever existed. I mean, I, I did a deep dive on sermon research this week, guys. This, I mean, I was looking up lists of the greatest NFL offensive linemen of all time, and I am... I can't stand the Cowboys, so it was really hard. But in humility that I just said, that it's not humble, I uh, put it up there. Uh, he's, uh, in his playing days, he was 6'3 and 325 pounds. When we choose pride, it's like us looking up at a 6'3, 325 pound man and saying, I'm going to beat you. And he says, no, you're not. And that's reality. You can't beat that man. Just like pride cannot beat wisdom. If you choose humility, you surrender and you can make progress. You choose pride, you're trying to go up against him. Um, thinking that, that we know more than our maker is, is actually crazy talk. But we actually do it a lot. If you look at our culture and the messages right now, there's all sorts of ideas about how life works and God is not a factor in all. That's crazy talk. That's arrogance. Now, oftentimes we think of humility as, as this just a, a weakness. Maybe like they don't understand. And almost like for you to have sense and be able to get it around in the world, you have to have experience. Well, humility is actually lining up again with how life works. And any time that we think we can figure things out and God and his word are not central to our solutions, we're in arrogance. There is no real solution to any problem if God's not a factor. That's the truth. I want to just touch on a few things. Uh, key question, if you want to grow in wisdom and humility, is what, what does God think about this issue? And then to make it more personal, what does God think about my decision? What does God think about my attitude? What does God think about my speech? And begin to ask those questions about your life, and you're actually becoming a humble person because you're wondering what God thinks. That's really important. Many times, if you're like me, we just do things without thinking. But to grow in wisdom and humility, to get to that point, you ask the questions. Uh, Marxism, you guys heard of that? It's really prevalent today. Uh, you're actually seeing a rise of that in our country. Uh, Marx, Karl Marx, who, who came up with that, he, he was actually an atheist. He said religion is the opiate of the masses. It's like a drug. His followers himself, were they were anti-God. So anytime you have an idea of how the life, life and the world should work, and God is not in the center of it, be very careful to follow it. Because what you're doing is you're going up against Larry Allen. In our arrogance, we think we know. 
Uh, critical race theory, intersectionality, they flow out of Marxism. Uh, they do not include God in their thinking. I'm bringing this up because this is very serious. And it's being taught. And it's being showcased. Like, how do we discover justice? And how are we righteous? And how do we find success? And how do we do what's right? And we, we need to actually be educated about these things. But if we're educated from people who don't include God, we're really setting ourselves up for arrogance without even knowing it. That's why I'm bringing this up. We have to think. We have to ask God. Do you know who came up with justice? God. You know who came up with identity and the right identity you should have? God. You know who gave you purpose? God. You know who will help you when you cry out to him? God. So humility is a sense of like, I don't really know as much as I think. And I really need God's help. There's also another wave that's going on in our culture right now. And it's not about truth. It's not about what is actually real. And we're seeing a rise of elitism in our country. People who have power and long for it. People want to tell you who you are and what you should do. They tell you how to make amends for your sin. They tell you how to be noble, how to appear like you have it all together. And they don't factor God in at all. He's not mentioned. He's not central. And so humility is this sense of like, wow, I need to think about these things. Because if I'm in going in a train of thought, or I'm going on an approach to life, or I'm making decisions that God's not a factor, I'm going to experience disgrace. And so if you're a Christ follower, this is very important. Don't just follow the masses. Do what God's word says. And if you do, you will grow in wisdom. Okay. I just want to say those things because I've been thinking a lot about it. Uh, and there's not a lot of simple solutions for problems. But wisdom is work, and God's ways take time. But if you actually live by it, you can actually have an understanding of these things. And that's why originally we want to help. So practically, to be humble is to recognize two main things. The first is uh, my position before God. So humanism, I've talked a little bit about this. Humanism is central and leads to a lot of things which Marxist thought can come out of. I'm just talking about the wisdom of this world, right? If you talk about wisdom from God and his truth of the scripture, you have to counter that and line it up against the wisdom from world. It's like our idea of wisdom without God lined up against real wisdom from God. You you have to do that because we actually have to show that this is the way. And you have to live it out. Like, this is where blessing and success comes from. Not in a lofty, prideful way, right? Because this is humility. But again, it's, it's reality. And so knowing our position before God uh, is so important. I, I want to show an image here of uh, Mount Everest, and this is specifically uh, base camp. And I would, would never, I never say never, but I don't think I would ever, 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 climb Everest. So I got an amen out of that one. Why? Because I value my life. (laughs) But 
This picture, I don't know if you know what this is, but this is base camp, okay? This is the beginning of Everest before you ever hike Everest, you ever summit Everest, you have to do base camp. The reason is the elevation and the terrain and the, like the, the pull on your body to be at these kinds of conditions will kill you. Like you can't fly into Everest, get a helicopter to drop you right here and the next day you summit like it's, you know, Mount Baldy or something. Like you'll, you'll literally die because your, your lungs and the oxygen, uh, it won't be there. Your blood needs to thin, you need to acclimate, okay? So base camp, you're actually here for weeks. Most people are here one to two months. So imagine hiking Everest and before you ever step foot on the summit of that great mountain, you have to be here for a couple months. Like, I like a hike, but like, are you kidding me? That's nuts. But this is what humility is. Humility is understanding that my position before God is like a hiker summoning Everest. It is, he is too great for me. His understanding is too rich. He has wisdom that I cannot know completely. It's, it's, it's just, I can see a lot but I'll never know what God knows. Humility is this understanding like, I need to be here. I need to settle here. I need to, to kind of acclimate to the God that, that wants to help me. And James 4.10 uh, speaks to this. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Anytime you have the pull to promote yourself, that's not wisdom. It's not wise. You ever have that pull? Like if we're being real with each other, somebody says something about what they've done and you kind of want to let them know that you've done that too. Yeah, I did that last week, every week of my life. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit more like not as slick as that. That wasn't slick at all. That was terrible. But you get what I'm saying. Or, you know, we want to just let people know that we've done things. We should be recognized for them. But humility, the base camp, acclimating, it's this idea like, I don't need to promote myself. Why? Because if God is so great, does God see what you're doing? Is anything going to be hidden from him? No. If he wants to promote you or recognize you, can God do it? Because he's God. So anything that's telling you to promote yourself, be very careful of. You can promote yourself, but you'll lack sense, and you'll miss this promise. He will lift you up in what? Honor. There's no shortage of promoting yourself, but if you promote yourself, you do so without honor. It's cheap. doesn't last. Quick rise, greater fall. That's what we're seeing all around in our culture. So humility is my position before God. He's big. He's almighty. He's faithful. He's great. He's understanding. If he wants to take care of me, which he will, then I don't need to take care of myself. Like I don't need to fight for my own recognition. He, he'll take care of me. He'll, he'll promote. So knowing my position before God. Uh, there's another scripture that I'm going to share in a moment. Oh, I, th I think that's on my, is that next? Yeah. So when you uh, choose humility, like I, I just think this is like a hilarious sign. So base camp, humility, 
And then like you, do you think you really need that? Like way to Everest. I think it's there. Like, right? It's like, just, just look, look up. But humility, the reason that's important is you recognize your position before God. Humility allows, if you're listening, right, you, you now have direction. So pride is the blocker. Wisdom doesn't come. But humility allows this direction to get to you. So in the middle of your understanding of who you are and who God is, when you choose humility, remember how wisdom is crying out? You now can hear it a little bit clearer, especially a lot louder than, than pride. So that's, that's the first thing, my position before God. Uh, the second is this, uh, my position related to others. So now wisdom is more than just me and God, just me and him. There, there's more going on. There's now me and, and other people. Every person on the face of the earth has equal value before God. Everybody. And so sometimes in our pride, we look down on people. We, we judge people. We wonder why they are doing what they're doing in a disdainful type of way. We discount people. Now, wisdom is we don't listen to everybody equally, but there's never a point where we want to trample on the value of others. So all that I've talked about, you know, Marxism, critical race theory, intersectionality, they're really thinking, how, how do we get value to people? But anytime you have to give value to people and devalue others, it defeats the purpose. It's only as you follow Jesus and you get value from him and you experience his grace and in humility, you realize that you're just like the next person. That's when you can see, I can give value freely without thinking or demanding anything in return. That can only come supernaturally because we're born with the sense of like, I give to you, you need to give to me, and we're keeping score. But humility is recognizing my position to others, and they have value because God made them. And these are his sons, and these are his daughters, and he loves them. And I can never take value from somebody that God has given to. It's not my role. It's not my right. Philippians 2.3 speaks plainly. Don't be selfish. I could spend the whole year talking about this scripture. It's so powerful. Why? Because the pull to the opposite is so powerful. But don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. This is the opposite of most of what people say about mental health. There's so much talk about mental health. People have no idea what that means. Do you even know what that means? Mental health is like, I don't really know. It's kind of ambiguous. And if you understand what mental health is, how do you know the person you're talking to understands that same thing? And are you talking about the same thing? So sometimes we, we can create these categories. It's like, I don't even know what that means. And we think we should do certain things. But according to this scripture, again, I just need to focus on me is like a common, like, I just need to take care of me. Actually, we all do that naturally. We wake up doing that. We're motivated to take care of me, right? Because have you ever gone into the pantry and you go to get your favorite cereal and you go to find the box empty and you pour it out and there's nothing there? Does that bother you? 
because we want that cereal. Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> I never have that. It's just, wow, I, I'm getting... That's like the biggest thing people are going to remember. It's like wisdom and fruity pebbles. It's like something. But there's just something in us, right? Like we feel ripped off all the time. Why? Because we had an expectation of what we think we should have had. All, all of us have that. But don't be selfish. If you want to better your family life, start with those three words. If you want to be a better husband, don't be selfish. Sacrifice for your wife. Will that help your marriage? Absolutely. Women, if you want to be a better wife, don't be selfish. Serve your husband. Will that help your marriage? Yeah. Parents, you want to help your kids? Guess what I'm going to say? Don't be selfish. I'm not trying to be cute, but it literally is so plain of most of the things that we can make progress with other people is through humility. Just choose to look out for them. And this is actually one of our values here at, at Ridgeview. If you could go to that, that hard attitude uh, slide. It's our hard attitude number one. Uh, these hard attitudes are commitments that we make as a church. These are our values. Like we want to treat people in a certain way. And we want to relate to the church in a certain way. But our first one Put the goals and interests of others above my own. I'm going to understand and get to know people's goals and interests, and I'm going to help them with those. This flows in the opposite direction of our culture. It's, it's not slight. It's opposite. And that's why when people step into our church, we want the current to feel different. Oh, that was that's like a different experience not because we're weird. We want people to have a different experience because they actually feel loved. Most situations with a group, people aren't doing this, but we're commanded to. This is actually what love is, embodied by the person of Christ. He put our goals and our interests above his own. And he saved us, and he died for us, and he was crushed and broken for us. There's never anyone that has humbled himself like the Lord Jesus. So if you follow him, that's what you do too. And we're not going to be called to do what he did because we can't. But we are called to look over an offense. We are called to hold our tongue. We are called to listen as people are talking without thinking about what we want to say. So recognizing our position, Proverbs 26 12 is a warning to us. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Very sobering. So now it's actually a step further. Now we're talking about wisdom and follies, folly, but, but what it's saying is actually a fool is better off if they're not so full of pride than somebody who thinks they have it all together. That's very sobering. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. This plays out in relationship with others. So to be humble is to recognize my position, my relationship to God, who he is. And then 
it translates into inter- interpersonal relationships, how we relate uh, to others. And so, practically, if you want to kind of begin, okay, I want to be at this base camp, I want to learn, I want to choose humility, it, it can start with just a few simple steps. It can start here at church. Church can become like a breeding ground for you to learn more about humility. We're talking about team up and serving. If you want to grow in humility, serve. It will test you. It's not motivating a lot. Because you have to choose to sacrifice your goals and interests for the greater good of the church. That pulls on our pride. It pulls on our own goals. So serving, uh, as you talk to people, like I mentioned, you, you listen Listen to what they're saying. Check back with people. Text them. Take time out of your week to follow up with people. Extend love. Serve. Your neighbors have their trash cans out. Pull them back for them. There's all sorts of things that you can do just in humility. I'm going to look out for other people and take a little step towards them. You never know how God could use humble people. But their impact is far-reaching than those who choose pride. It's just you don't hear about it a lot. You don't see it, and it's not that flashy. But what wisdom is saying is this is so important. So I've done one attitude, and it's 1102. You guys still with me? Okay. I'm going to have to really go fast because the second attitude is really important. What's the first one? Humility. Guys, it was the same. First attitude, humility. Second attitude is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the breakthrough point into wisdom. So think about this. Humility is like the base camp. You're getting acclimated to wisdom in God's ways. You're humble. It makes sense, right? The only way you're going to want to learn God's ways is if you realize you need to learn them. means that you're lacking. There's a sense of like, I don't have it all together. That's humility. Fear of the Lord is this a breakthrough point? So, so back to Everest. This is, <laughs> this is why I'm never going to do it, right? This is the Kumbu Icefall. And this is the place that people say is the hardest. And I'm like, do you, do you even need to say that? There's a ladder over an ice crevice that will kill you. And this is the fun part of the hike. But, you know, you're holding on. And it's very narrow, and that's not good. But most hikers say when they get through that point, they have a sense they're going to finish. Once they get through that point, they have a sense they're going to finish. And fear of the Lord is this same thing. Like, there's a breakthrough point. We begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel that, okay, I, I can learn here. There's things that I can gain. And so I want to just briefly uh, go, go through this. Uh, Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the what? Beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So you know what I'm talking about, about like factoring God into worldviews and into situations and into decisions? It gives you understanding. And then fear of the Lord is the broken, the breakthrough point. It's like this beginning of wisdom. It comes through. And so actually go back. The first thing is take God seriously. Sorry. I'm messing with you. Go back to that point. Take God seriously and live within his boundaries. That's what fear of the Lord is. It's not uh, being so nervous and you're biting your nails. Like, fear God. He'll give you wisdom. And we're so freaked out. Fear him. (laughs) 
that's kind of freaking me out, that noise. I don't know where that came from. But, but to fear him is I'm going to take him seriously. What he says is real. I'm going to take it seriously. It's the idea of like, you know when your parents called you by like your full name? I don't know if you guys know this. My name is Alexander. Do you guys know that? And my mom was British. So anytime I did, Alexander David Barrett. It wasn't the fear of the Lord. But I knew I had to take it seriously. And that's what God's commands are. They're, they're really not optional. They're not like great ideas. It's not like choose your own adventure. No, it's, it's serious. And so to fear him... I'm going to take him seriously. I'm going to live within the boundaries that he set. First uh, Peter 1.17 says, And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. So again, reality. What we do matters. What you say matters. What the scriptures are saying is we are going to stand before God when our life wraps up and he's going to ask to give an account for everything that we do. Now, if you follow Christ, his sin, he will not hold against you. You are forgiven. You're covered by the blood of Jesus. But you still are going to have to give an account for what you do. So what Peter is saying is is temporary, we got to make sure that we're not just living for it all here. Now we're standing and stepping into forever. And eternity should change our perspective. That's part of this fear of the Lord. Fearing God also means this. You make a prior decision. If you could put that up on the screen, we make a prior decision to obey God. That is, it doesn't matter what's at stake. It doesn't matter the fear that I feel. It doesn't matter what my parents will say. It doesn't matter what everyone else is telling me. It doesn't matter what the culture says. It doesn't matter if they hate me. It doesn't matter if I'll be rejected. I will make a prior decision to obey God, period. Don't clap yet. We have to do it. We have to do that. And we're all going to be tested. We're all going to be tested. But fear of the Lord is, I'm going to obey you no matter what. And God, in those moments, will you give me the grace to do it? John 7, 17 says, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whatever, or whether I speak on my own. Really briefly, I just want to share. What this is saying is, If there's decisions that you're making right now in your life and it doesn't feel like it makes sense and it feels like that doesn't add up and it feels like there's no way, don't just think because the formula you have doesn't add up, it's not God's will. There's things that God could call you to do that don't make sense on paper. So be very careful of just looking at our formulas to decide What the scripture is saying is you decide in faith based on what God has told you to do, even if it doesn't make sense. And as you do it, not before, as you do it, not before, as you do it, not before, you'll see it was his will. 
That should give us the fear of God. God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to stay within your boundaries. I'm going to do what's right, even if it doesn't feel right, even if it doesn't seem right, even if it doesn't look right. And I'm not even going to know if it is right until I do it. That's actually faith. But it's connected to humility, and it's connected to God's word. What it is is God is going to call you to be and to do things that the culture will say makes no sense. And I want to tell you something. If the culture is doing things and your decision is the opposite most of the time, it's probably a good decision. Can I speak to that? Staying in California makes no sense unless you want to build a kingdom with the Lord Jesus to save souls going to hell. Makes no sense. Why would anyone live here? Literally, it makes no sense. If you're chasing the American dream, it makes no sense at all. I want to do a whole series on this. I I really do. I want to call it California dreaming versus California leaving. (laughs) And I have a dream. I I shouldn't say that. (laughs) It's not nearly as epic as MLK, okay? (laughs) That was not in my notes, so that's funny. I do have a dream, though, and it is, what if we were to look at the opportunity we have as residents in a dark place, but we lived as as a people in exile, we lived as missionaries? Like, do you not think that the Lord has placed you here? And here, people can leave, and the Lord will lead you to that. Just make sure you're leaving with the Lord going before you. I don't know what the Lord's will is for your life, but I do know people have to stay, But if you look at it from like a human standpoint, it's like, it makes no sense. There's lots of things like that. If you're ever wrestling with like your wife staying home, can I speak to that? Makes no sense. Why would you ever do it? Because maybe it's the best for your family. Maybe it's the Lord's will. Does it add up? No. Does it make sense? Absolutely not. Is everyone doing it? Not really. I'm I'm getting specific. Not to say there's one way or it's that narrow, but the Lord's way is narrow. It says that, right? But what wisdom is, is in these situations that you're facing, you feel so torn and perplexed. God will speak to you specifically, and he may call you to do radical things. And what I want in our church is for us to be radical people that choose humility and the fear of the Lord. And God speaks wisdom to us where we do things that don't make sense but are right and can change the world. Wisdom cries aloud. It calls out to us, and we have an opportunity to listen. This stuff is very serious for all of us, and we have an opportunity. Our world is so confused. Up is down, down is up. Right is left, left is right. People are so confused, and they're in the darkness. God, in his plan, is using the church to give people a sense of how to come out of the darkness. It's always been his way, and it always will be. God, as our maker, is using us. And we have an opportunity here, right here and right now, to be a part of helping people see the way forward. It won't happen as we promote ourselves. It won't happen by our own standards, but it will happen through humility 
in fear of the Lord. So all this is to say is, let's do this together. Let's make this real. Let's put each other above ourselves and see what God can do. And let's take him seriously. And when he says to do something, we will do it. Let's pray. Father, we are standing before you, recognizing how little we are. Our own wisdom and knowledge is not even measurable compared to the vast knowledge that you have. Your thoughts are not our thoughts, and your ways are not our ways. And I pray here at Ridgeview Church that you will raise us as a group of people who are committed to doing what you say, who are committed to putting others in front of ourselves, and that from those two attitudes, we will see a work from you that can change our community. We have nothing to offer you except our surrender. Lord, if there's anything on our hearts that's dividing us, that's leading us into the way of self-promotion or self-understanding, will you humble us in the name of the precious Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen.